You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. Welcome to another episode of Second Breaks and specifically to another episode in our unretirement series, which we are doing this entire month of May. This particular episode from The Vault was one of the most popular episodes back when I did a side hustle series a couple years ago. And I think it is super relevant to our topic of unretirement as well. Because many folks who are retiring from their corporate careers often look into possibly starting their own businesses, either as consultants like what we talked about in the last episode, or maybe as coaches or freelancers. And here's the thing, the moment we start providing services like those, we must, must, must think about the legal side of things. After all, we not only want to do things right, we also want to make sure that we protect ourselves, we protect our livelihood, we protect any intellectual property that we're creating, and all these wonderful things. And so I interviewed Autumn Witt, who just gave tip after fabulous tip when I chatted with her the last time. And the great thing about this conversation was, It was really geared for the first-time business owner, that person who is most likely coming off of a corporate career and starting something on the side or as a full-blown business. Like I said before, perfect for our unretirement topic for this month. So a bit of introduction, Autumn Witt is an award-winning intellectual property lawyer who works with online business owners to protect their brand, their content, and business. When it comes to intellectual property and business strategies, Autumn is known as a thought leader in the online business community. She speaks frequently at conferences and seminars and workshops and appears as a guest on podcasts hosted by other experts and business owners like me. She is also the host of the Legal Roadmap podcast. Now, in the episode, we mentioned a few resources, so if you head on over to the show notes, secondbreaks.com, you're going to find all the links to all the good stuff that we talked about. Okie dokie. Let's get on with the show. Enjoy. So, I guess let's start with, you know, in your line of work, you see this all the time. What are some of the things that first-time freelancers or first-time consultants, like people who are doing this on the side, to, you know, to kind of try their, you know, get their feet wet. What are some of the things that you you see them overlooking uh, and um, like traps that they fall into? Yes. I think the biggest one that I see, and I see this over and over, uh, is not using contracts. That is, I think they worry about um, Formula LLC or like different, um, more advanced issues. But especially a lot of us, when we first start freelancing or side hustling is we're providing services, right? We're not selling a digital product. Like that's a lot of work and <laughs> a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, or we're not selling an online course yet. We are just working one-on-one. Maybe we're doing virtual assistant um, services or we're, like you said, consulting, helping with you know a very specific task. Um, 
And so we may think, oh, this is small. It's not a big deal. I don't need a contract, but you absolutely do. So that is my number one mistake that I see. And it's also a very easy, not that expensive thing that you can do to really protect yourself Make yourself look good, honestly, with the person that you're working with because it makes you look very professional and like you know what you're doing and like you're going to deliver on the thing you've promised. So contracts, contracts, contracts. I can't, cannot say enough good things. I think people are scared of them. So this may be a dumb question. No, there are no dumb <laughs> questions. So a lot of the times, uh, you know, the, the common advice for the people here is that, you know, try it for free for initially, like go look for like free clients to get your feet wet. So when you're when you're doing those free jobs, do you still need a contract or that's just oh, yes. you still would? Yes. And it doesn't, I think people think it's got to be some like 25 page, really complicated thing full of like, if you've worked in corporate, you've seen the things that come through. Uh, It doesn't have to be that complicated, but there's a couple of key things that I would include. What are you doing? Even if you're doing it for free, what are you doing? Because you, we're just talking about setting expectations. Uh, So I'll give a perfect example of this. When I got married 10 years ago, um, I worked with a woman who was a new wedding invitation designer, and she agreed to do my invites for free to get a a portfolio example. Um, And I really, I got the first draft. I wasn't really happy. I asked her to make some tweaks. We got down the road and she was like, I never agree. You know, this is way more than I ever thought I was going to do. And we had a disagreement. It wasn't, it didn't get ugly, but, um, I think if she had said at the outset, this is what I'm expecting to provide you. And I knew that and I knew what it would look like if I needed more or, you know, any of those things. Yeah, it's it's really important just to say what you're going to do, even if it is for free, because none of us can, you know, provide the moon for free. <laughs> right. Especially if you still have a job, you've got limited time and resources. Um, so, yeah, I think even if you're doing it for free, it's really, really important just to set that expectation for both sides. This is what I'm going to do. This is, you know, what next steps might look like. This is how we're going to end. This is how we know when we're done, (laughs) you know, just some things to kind of think through. So you mentioned that having a contract also shows you're professional, right, about this. And so coming from a corporate world, as you mentioned, there are like 25, 30 pages of legalese. That, ugh, who reads this thing? My experience is that, so when I was in corporate America, even when we were hiring contractors, so we are the company, we're hiring contractors, we provide the contract. We You had like a master services agreement. Right. We don't accept the the vendor's contract. But what you're saying is when you're doing your side hustle or your you know you're you're going out on your own, you have to come up with a contract, not the person who's hiring you, unlike the corporate scenario. Yes. You know, if you're working with a giant like mega national, like you're probably mentioning, you know, they'll have a master services agreement they use with all their contractors that has their preferred terms. But usually starting out, you're not working with those companies. You're working with other maybe small businesses or solopreneurs who may not have their own, you know, contractor agreements. Um, I work with multi-million dollar businesses and some of them still don't have their own, (laughs) you know. Yes. And so it's just you're really protecting both sides by having your own Um, But you can't rely on the other person because I would say, especially if you're working with smaller businesses, a lot of them are just not going to have one. So along those lines, and you mentioned this as well, because a a fear is like, oh, my God, do I have to hire a, a lawyer for this? Uh, can I just borrow a friend's? I have a friend who's a photographer and she, he, she has a contract. Can I just borrow hers and kind of change the name? Is that kosher? <laughs> so 
here's the thing. When you are a new business owner, especially if you're still side hustling, working a day job, trying to build this thing up, I don't think that the first couple thousand dollars you should spend should be on hiring a lawyer. It doesn't make any sense. You, Your risk is very low. You know, Lawyers are expensive. It's time consuming for everyone. And frankly, you don't really know enough about how you're going to work with clients or what you're going to be doing. Um, you could hire a lawyer. Like, let's say you had unlimited resources. And so maybe it's not a big deal to hire a lawyer. Um, you still don't even really know what needs to be in your contract, you know, to, to have a contract at that level. You just need something basic. So yes, I think in the beginning, having something is better than nothing. So borrowing your friends, um, you know, there's probably going to be some things that are left out. But again, you're at a pretty low risk, especially if you're working for free or it's a very low dollar engagement and it, the company on the other side is pretty, um, you know, small as well. I think having something is better than nothing, even if it's um, you, I always have a legal pad nearby. So even if you're just like scribbling it on your legal pad and, you know, scanning it, sending it to the other side, having something in writing is better than nothing. Um, and then think about up leveling, you know, uh, maybe you do a couple projects and now you've got a little revenue coming in. Maybe you buy um, a template like I sell, like a lot of other online lawyers sell um, that's made for the kind of business that you have so that you're sure, okay, I, I'll at least know that I've got my basics covered because your friend who knows where your friend got the contract, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're just maybe Googling and, you know, who knows if it really has what it should yeah, there is some legalese that is really helpful. You know, we don't want pages and pages of it, but some of it will protect you if something goes wrong. So we want to have the right little bit of legalese in there. Um, you can start easy, start start small, start, but but just having something is better than nothing. Right. And then um, a step above that, as you get more settled, this may be a template sort of thing. Um, still not heavily customized. You put your time and energy into it rather than the lawyer putting their time and energy into it. But you've at least got a framework with a template. You know, you've at least got the right pieces there. Are there different kinds of contracts for like, so there's the, I'm a consultant, I'm a photographer, I'm a web designer, I'm a virtual assistant where I'm providing you service for X number of hours or that kind of stuff, right? Um, so that's a typical sort of contract, contractual mm -hmm. agreement. Are there other kinds? Like, okay, so for example, let's say, what if I am, um, well, like a product-based sort of, mm -hmm. if I have a product that I'm actually selling you, mm -hmm. is there a contract for that as well? Or So like a physical product or yeah. a digital something? Yeah, like a widget or a yeah. <laughs> some sort of. Usually with that, it, um, if you are selling wholesale, you might have a wholesale agreement like with the stores that are buying. Huh. Um, like let's say maybe a store is um, placing an order for 10 or 20 of your widgets and they're going to carry it. You're, you're baking muffins every right, Saturday right. and you're delivering it to the restaurant, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you're just selling one-on-one, -on -one, you know, retail, basically you are a retail operation. You've got an Etsy site or you've got, you know, some e-commerce. Um, usually there's not a lot of contracts involved in that, but once you do start to have wholesale, um, relationships, you might have just a short agreement. It's, it's almost more kind of your terms of sale than anything. Right. Just saying, you know, when is payment due? Are you selling on consignment or is payment due before you deliver? Um, you know, will you take returns? Kind of some of that kind of stuff. Right. So it's, it's different things to think about than a services contract. Okay. Um, but you might want something just simple and brief for that, for sure. And then a lot of people say, oh, 
okay, well, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a website. Are there basic stuff we need to, I, mean, I guess there is terms and conditions or that we have to have on the website. Now we have to worry about things like GDPR and stuff like yes. that. So those are very basic stuff. The moment you have a website that collects some kind of information, even if you're not selling anything yet, right. am I correct? Yes. Even if you just have like a newsletter sign up. Um, or you have a contact us form, either of those, even if you're not up and running really, and you're not selling anything, that means people are sending you their personal information. They're sending you their email address or they're sending you their name. Um, that means now you're handling personal information you have to comply under California law. You have to have a privacy policy. And so most of us in the online world are dealing with people in all 50 states. So California applies to us, whether we're there or not. Um, and then if you, if you are interacting with EU residents, um, you have to follow GDPR, which also requires a privacy policy. And there's some other rules there as well. Cool beans. All right. Yeah. So listeners pay attention to what she just said or what we just talked about there, because so th that's the, the first sort of getting our feet wet kind of thing, right? I'm not telling anything yet. I want to start a website, a blog of some sort, but I want to collect. I want to start building a, an audience. You're going to start collecting information. Yeah. If you allow comments on your blog, ah, yes. you know, and that's another place you might be collecting information. So I think people don't think about, ah, oh, I'm not selling anything. I don't need to worry about any of this stuff, but you do. <laughs> and, and as you said, it doesn't have to be a boiling the ocean. There are templates out there that are get up and running in about 20 minutes. It's not yet. Yeah, not a, not a big lift. You don't need to hire a lawyer from the get go is the message. No, in <laughs> fact, please don't <laughs> save your money for things. The other thing that I run into often is that, you know, I am, I'm going to start doing this with my friend. She and I have this both passionate about something. And so we're going to try this thing. We're going to put together a workshop together for the first time and, and just try things out and see where it goes or a joint podcast. We're going to start a podcast together. Are there things we should be paying attention to? <laughs> yes. I'm lifting up my legal pad again. You need a contract. Yes. And again, this is not something that you have to hire a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars on before you have proof of concept. But I think it's really important, even if it's just something as simple as a workshop, you know, there's probably costs involved. You're both, you know, contributing either time, energy, money, some sort of resources, um, just sitting down and outlining. It can be as simple as you meet for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and, you know, just jot it down on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you do find like with a podcast or, you know, I've done some um, operating agreements for people who have podcasts together uh, where they actually set up a formal company to own the podcast. And, mm. you know, if you do get to the point where you're making real money or, you know, maybe the podcast becomes popular and you're offering services kind of under the podcast, maybe you start a group coaching program for people who listen to the podcast or you start selling like mugs <laughs> and T-shirts that have the podcast name on them. Like it's pretty it, it can happen really quickly. Um, I do think at that point, you know, if there's real money on the table, let's say you're making a couple thousand dollars a month or more you know, it probably is worth sitting down with a lawyer because now there's real money at issue. If you're trying to grow it, you know, just making sure that you've got all your ducks in a row because there's probably some things you haven't thought about that a lawyer can help you, you know, kind of hold your hand and help make sure that you just put everything in writing the right way so that if, God forbid, one of you gets hit by a bus or, you know, wins the lottery or gets a dream job and you decide or you have a horrible fight, that's always the one I don't like talking about, but it does happen or somebody starts slacking off and the other person wants to own it. Like what happens? How do you handle all of those what ifs? Um, 
I don't know that you need to do that on day one. Like you can maybe talk about that in, on your coffee date, um, kind of sketch that out. But there are some legal things that will happen and it can get really messy really quickly, especially if you've created content together. If you've got intellectual property that's making you money and now one of you thinks they own it. Like I've, I've been on the, I see the back, the back end of some of those things, which are really, really ugly. So it, it is, it feels expensive at the time. And I will tell you, it feels expensive at the time to spend a couple thousand dollars to sit down with a lawyer and really hammer all of that out. But I will tell you, you will spend that so quickly if you get into a fight. Uh, I'm dealing with one. I'm dealing with one right now and we're trying to negotiate and it's just, it's a mess. And she has spent way more than if she had sat down with a lawyer in the beginning. The other side of that equation outside of the money is that the idea that, but she's a friend. I don't want to, you know, talk about these things that make it sound like very, you know, contentious, but, but actually it's more protecting the relationship, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And I, most of the time when I'm working on these projects, people come to me and they say, we're really good friends and we want to stay good friends. And so we need you to help us kind of work through what can be really tricky conversations. And you're almost like a third party neutral mediator. I mean, not that they're in disagreement, but just kind of helping them work through some hard conversations. Um, yeah, I, I think it can be really, really helpful to to maintain that relationship. Again, even if we just, even if this doesn't work out, how can we you know, stay friends. And you, you can't always do that 100%, but you can do the best job, you know, thinking through the front end. So at the at the very least, like at the very beginning, when you don't know if it's going to be a hit yet or whatever, then just, you know, grab a glass of wine each and say, okay, what's my job? What's your job? Who's going to pay expenses? How are we going to split profits? Right, exactly. Yeah, if we're going to sell mugs and swags, like how are we going to split it up and how often? What happens when Oprah stuff? calls one of us and not the other? <laughs> I actually had that in an operating agreement once. It hasn't happened yet, but we're ready. <laughs> or even things like if we started a podcast together and I don't want to do it anymore, can you continue with it? Or do, yeah, you, do we have to dissolve the podcast? Because the, the intellectual property bit of it, right? Yeah. And the the rules, the way our copyright and trademark rules are set up are not always the way people would expect. So there are some things that like you got to put it in writing to make sure it really works the way you want it to work because the law may not be how you how you would want it to work. It's not always common sense, is it? No, no. It is sometimes <laughs> totally contrary <laughs> to common sense. We're going to get back to that interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. The Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. he said is that you know and I I personally fell into this trap myself is that you know the big question is should I incorporate is it LLC is it you know we, we get into that it's all it's along the lines of how beautiful is my website going to be so anyway am I correct in understanding that 
let's say I am just starting out. I am just going to try to see if this skill that I have, I could parlay that into a side consulting business, let's say. Is it okay to just do it as a sole proprietor initially? Yeah. So that's how that's how a lot of people start. And just to, to give an overview, as soon as you start taking money and you're selling either services or products, congratulations, you are a sole proprietor. <laughs> like whether you know it or not, it's kind of automatic. Um, and these are all, I should mention, I'm a Tennessee lawyer. Nothing I'm saying today is uh, legal advice. Uh, but this is a little different in every state. So this is something where you you may, your mileage may vary a little bit. You need to look into your state's rules. Uh, but typically a sole proprietorship is going to be kind of what happens automatically. And then you have a decision to make. Do I want to actually formally set up a corporate entity like an LLC or a corporation? Uh, and there's two reasons you might want to do that. The first is tax reasons. I am not a CPA, so I will not talk about that. But if you're making, if you're starting to make money and you want to um, sit down with a CPA, that's a great idea. Um, the other reason and the the thing that I deal with is what we call liability protection. So this is protecting your personal assets, your personal house, your personal car, your personal bank account from things that might go wrong with the business. So what an LLC or a corporation does, it kind of builds a fence around the business for you. Mm -hmm. So if something goes wrong in the business, let's say you can't meet a contractual obligation, someone sues you, or um, someone slips and falls at one of your events and they sue you for medical bills, you know, things like th things like that, or you go bankrupt, you can't pay the, the business's debts. Um, it kind of anything that goes wrong in the business stays in the business. So they can take your business assets. If you have machinery or a bank account or any real estate, any property from the business can go, but it keeps your personal stuff out of it. Um, and so that is the main reason that most people are looking to form an LLC or a corporation is they want to, you know, kind of keep their personal stuff per personal, keep the business stuff you know, subject to any risks in the business. So what I usually tell people to think about as they're starting to think about this is what are the risks in your business? So what could go wrong? What could someone sue you for? Are you uh, putting on a really big event and you're signing big contracts? Or do you have employees? Or do you have an office where people could get hurt? If all you're doing is providing business consulting services over the internet, you know, your risk is really pretty low of something going wrong. You know, maybe somebody's unhappy. Maybe someone thinks you didn't provide what you said you would. Uh, but, you know, it's not like someone is skydiving off your roof and they could crash and die. You know. This is just totally curiosity on my part, but just based on what you just said there, would you consider something that, you know, like I am a wedding planner and you might say, well, wedding planners, what risks are there? But Oh, no, I would not say that. A lot of risk, right? Yes. And that's a lot of um, emotion and drama. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with a lot of money. Um, that is not yours. Yeah. So I, I would say I would put event planning in kind of a separate category. There's definitely some risk there. Yeah. <laughs> but like my graphic designers or web designers, like pure service providers, where really you're just kind of using your brain and a computer, um, your risk is really very low. You know, your biggest risk really there is maybe using some intellectual property that doesn't belong to you or, you know, doing do it or not, not, uh, you know, having a disagreement with a client and they don't want to pay you or something like that. Those are your big risks there. So um, one of the things you said earlier, like the two reasons why you want to consider incorporating, um, one of it is for legal purposes, for protection, and then the other one is for tax purposes. Does that mean that at, the, at that point when we are making that decision that it's best to, for lack of a better word, hire a lawyer and a CPA or can a, a lawyer usually address both? 
Usually a lawyer cannot address both. Okay. Uh, Most lawyers are not tax experts. And I would honestly start with a CPA because the tax issue, the legal issues are really pretty simple for most, especially if you're just a one person company, most people can really set up an LLC or corporation themselves. It's very simple. You know, um, if you've got a partner, if you've got investors, or if you've got some more complicated things, then yes, you definitely want to talk with a lawyer. Um, But honestly, a lot of CPAs will handle setting up the entity for you. Um, They're generally cheaper than lawyers. So, um, and they can run all those numbers and help you make the best decision that way. So I would start with the CPA before you go to the lawyer, frankly. And like, as you said earlier, initially we can live with templates for contracts and stuff like that until we get to the big, big league stage. Or if your business is just generally one of those things where there's a lot of complications involved. Yeah, I had a potential client meeting earlier this week um, with an it's a brand new company, but they're actually going to be contracting with a company that's based outside of the United States. That company is going to own part of their company. And we've also got some pretty complicated um, license agreements that we're going to be negotiating. And so that is very complicated. Uh, we are working together from day one on that. So they did bring in, you know, my legal team to help. But this is not their first business. It's not their first rodeo. They kind of, they know it's complicated and that they needed help. Um, most of your freelancers and your side hustlers, it's just not that complicated, which is which is great. It's a, there's a low barrier to entry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, I feel like it's one of those things that gets added on the list of things I have to worry about that ends up becoming the reasons for why people don't do what they want to do because, oh my God, these are headaches that, you know, and that kind of stuff, right? And I will say like being a business owner, you know, even if you're just side hustling, like you are now, you have responsibilities, you have to pay your taxes. And if you're working with other people, you have to make sure you're doing all of that the right way. Like it does add, you know, there is a, a bit of administration that is involved in owning a business and that's not for everybody. Um, or, or you can hire help <laughs> to help you with that. So it doesn't have to be your strength, but um, there's kind of no way around some of this, but um, there are easier ways to get started for sure. Gotcha. So there is a question um, <laughs> that I want to bounce off you. And I know this is not your area of expertise, but you're a lawyer and I just wanted to take your say, get your take on this because this is a common thing that I hear. Um, and I can answer it from the perspective of a manage, you know, somebody from a corporate leadership or management position, but not from a legal position. So you know, this question of I do I have to disclose this to my employer that I am doing this? What is what do I have to disclose? Yes. And I will say I'm not an employment lawyer, but I do have an employment lawyer on my team. So we often will deal with these questions and um, bounce ideas off of each other. So I do have a little experience in this. Um, Typically, I will answer your question with another question, which is, did the employee sign anything with their current employer? that would prohibit or that would affect this new um, side hustle. So did they have either an employment agreement or uh, an employee handbook that might have policies um, about either, sometimes it's called a moonlighting policy. Sometimes they may have signed a Mm non-compete, non-competition agreement that may cover if they're doing something similar to what they do on the job, but they're wanting to do it off the job. They may have signed an intellectual property agreement where they're, their company owns pretty much everything, no matter when or where or who they do it for. You know, you just kind of want to, as I don't want to say be sneaky, but, um, you know, use discretion 
Sometimes when you start, uh, let's say you don't have a copy of the handbook, maybe you signed it, but they didn't give you a copy or it was five years ago and you've moved offices three times and who knows where it is. Uh, you know, if you go to HR and ask for a copy of the handbook, now all of a sudden they're, they're like, why did you, why do you need the handbook? Or like, did I, you know, if you ask for a copy of the non-compete, they're like, why do you need a copy of the non-compete? So you want to kind of be, um, you know, subtle about it, but that that is kind of a place to start. And some some really big corporations may have like a hotline that you can call anonymously. I will say a lot of things that are kind of promised to be anonymous are not always anonymous. And anyone in HR for the company works for the company and they are protecting the company, not you. So kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you your, your responsibilities, um, there's no like common law or statutory rule that I'm aware of that requires you to disclose side hustles. There could be in some states. I haven't researched in all 50 states. Like I said, I'm not an employment lawyer. Um, so that might be something you would want to look into as well. But I would definitely start with you know your employee handbook. Look at, uh, hopefully you got a copy if you signed a non-compete or a, um, you know any of those kinds of policies um, or an IP agreement. Dig those files yes, wherever you... <laughs> dig through your filing cabinet, see if you can find them. Autumn, can you talk a little bit about what you do? What does your company do and who do you normally work with? All that we do all the things. No, I, my personal background, I'm a copyright and trademark lawyer by training and experience. So those are the areas that I focus on. And we work mostly with what I call online businesses. Um, a lot of life coaches, business coaches, service providers, influencers, anybody that you think of that maybe is selling an online course or digital products or uh, is putting on workshops and events. Uh, basically, if they're creating content that's kind of at the core of what they're selling or how they're making money, those are the people that we typically work with. So we work with Amy Porterfield. We work with Shalene Johnson, some other. Those are some of our more well-known clients. But we also work with a lot of people you've probably never heard of. <laughs> I listened to Being Boss podcast, and I saw that Being Boss podcast on your clients. They're one of my favorites. They're uh, actually one of them lives in Chattanooga, where I live. And we are in real, we are real life friends as well as um, they're wonderful clients. So they're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. The, 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 especially the, the solopreneurs, as we call them, do they normally hire you per project or for like a retainer, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, typically we will start working with a new client in a couple ways. Um, I just did one yesterday. We have an introductory, basically it's a, um, I call it a legal roadmap session. It's kind of a legal planning call. So it's a one hour call and I do an audit of their business, basically ask what they've got in place, what they might be missing. Um, and so we'll often start with that because it just gives them a nice overview and then they can say, oh, I can use a template for this, but I really want your eyes or your you know, advice on this other thing. Uh, and then we do, we do a la carte projects. So uh, we might just work on a single contract or a single trademark registration. And then um, for my clients who stay busy, uh, we do work on retainer either quarterly or monthly where we're just kind of on call, constantly helping them with, yeah, whatever, whatever comes up, they can run things by us. And then we also um, will do projects with them on an ongoing basis. So lots of different ways. Yeah, it's really, it's fun. We do a lot of different things. <laughs> It, like we do dispute resolution and we do contract negotiation. I'm working on a book, like two book deals right now for our clients. So it's, it um, keeps it interesting. Never a dull moment. Did you mention the templates already? Yes, yes. I'll, I'm happy to talk about them more. So that, that's also a great entry point, especially for a newer business who's either not ready to invest in working with a lawyer one-on-one. -on -one. But honestly, I have multi-million dollar clients who still... <laughs> 
I had one. Like I, I see all the purchases come through and I saw one come through the other day for, and it just made me laugh. Um, cause I'm like, I know we could work on this one-on-one, but honestly, sometimes it's quicker and easier to just use a template, like even for really advanced, cause they can, you can fill them out in 20 or 30 minutes and you're like up and running. And if I'm working one-on-one on a project, it's like a six week, you know, I have all these ethical obligations. I have to do all this research and, you know, we have to really dig in and make sure it's perfect. Um, yeah, so the templates are great, really, no matter where you are in business. For for things like we've talked about today, services agreement, um, your website privacy policy and terms and conditions. Um, if you're selling digital products or working with contractors, kind of, we've got templates for all those things. Beautiful. So where can we find you online? And where can we find you personally and follow you online? And where can we find all these templates? <laughs> Yes. So um, I have my own podcast, which is called the Legal Roadmap Podcast. So that's a great place to start. I didn't know that. Legal Roadmap. We have just over 100 episodes now. And uh, um, it's kind of a mix of interviews with our clients and other really high achieving online business owners. And then I do a lot of teaching episodes where I just cover different topics that people might need to know as they're building their business. Um, so that is a great place. It's pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's in all the places. Um, and then if you want to check out my website, it's awbfirm.com. And I have put um, a special resource for your people um, who might want to learn more about contracts. They can get a free worksheet that I've put together that will help you write your own contracts and understand what the terms actually mean. So that is it awbfirm.com slash the number five and then terms, T-E-R-M-S. So awbfirm.com, yeah, five terms. Five terms you need in your contracts. And all the templates are there as well. You, pretty much it. You can get to the podcast from there. Everything's there. Awesome. This has been fantastic. I love this conversation. I love being legal. So thanks for asking great questions, Lou. I hope you enjoyed this episode from The Vault. For all the links and highlights of this episode, please head on over to secondbreaks.com. As a reminder, we are on a weekly schedule during the month of May while we continue to cover the topic of unretirement. And so be sure to check back next week for another special episode in our series. Until then, keep on making your den, my friend. Cool beans.